When I was in middle school, uh, I had an experience that's not uncommon to many of you. I had some bullies. You ever have those guys? You know, those people that they just decided they were going to make your life pretty miserable. They're going to make your life difficult. But I had these guys when I was in middle school. I had this one guy. I don't remember his name, but he was the stereotypical bully. I mean, he was a little bigger than me. He had, he had greasy hair, long stringy, greasy hair parted down the middle, and it went down like this, always stringy and greasy. He always wore like nasty white t-shirts. He wore a camouflage jacket every day. Like he was the quintessential bully. He wore jeans and he would always wear like black Converse. Like, like it was like he was picked out of a John Hughes movie and put into my life to make my life miserable. And he was mean to me. He would make fun of me publicly. He would tease me. I know that bullying in our society, it's really become a good thing, a bad thing. And that's a good thing is what I was going to say. It's become a really bad and very serious thing. We need to take it very seriously. We need to help those kids that are experiencing that. This guy was not that, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, terrible. He would just pick at me. He was just kind of mean to me. He would just embarrass me. He would just make me feel bad in front of the other kids. One day I was walking out of the gym by myself and I opened the door to, leave, to go outside and I looked back as I was about to exit and he was walking behind me. Now I had grown up all my life being taught that whenever you leave a room or you enter a room, you hold the door open for people. That's what you do. You have manners. Man or woman, doesn't matter. You hold the door open for people so that they can walk out. You, you have manners. And so I opened the door and I looked back and it was him. And I thought, bam! I didn't, I didn't do that. I looked at him. I saw my moment of opportunity and I remembered my teaching and training. And so I stood there and I held the door for him. He was a little junior high boy for this punk bully. And I stood there and he, he walked out and he walked up to me and he saw me standing there and he said, you're going to hold that for me? I said, yeah, I am. He said, thanks. And he walked out and he never bothered me again. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I hate him. Um, <laughs> break that tension. Uh, I don't, I don't. I don't know what happened to him, but I hope he got his. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is actually what we're talking about today, so, so roll with me. Uh, and I had another guy, he was kind of, the, so that was, that was one type of stereotypical bully, and I had another one that was the jock. You know, he was like the, the cool guy that played all the sports, and, and I, wasn't, I wasn't really an athlete. I know you can't tell by looking, but I wasn't, why is that funny? I don't know why that's funny. I wasn't an athlete, but I wasn't uncoordinated, like I could play, I was decent, I could hold my own, it just wasn't my, my strength. And so we were playing baseball uh, one afternoon for P.E., and it was my turn up at bat. And so I stepped up, and he was, sitting right, he was standing right over here, kind of by third base. And he said, he goes, hey, easy out, everybody. Easy out. Come on, everybody, move up. Easy out. Easy out. You know how that goes. And so I was standing there feeling so insecure and feeling bad and feeling embarrassed that in front of all of these kids and all of my friends, he just called me out like that. And so then time slowed down. And, he, and the pitch came. I'm pretty sure it was underhand. Pitch came. <laughs> Slow motion. The ball is coming to me, and this is my moment. I saw the ball coming, and I took my swing. Crack! And it flew straight and true right over his head. So much so that he couldn't figure out what to do, and he took off his glove and threw it up in a weird attempt to try to stop my ball from going over his head. But it sailed straight and true as I ran triumphantly to first base. It's one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> These stories are not uncommon to you. You have stories of when you grew up. And some of you have stories like this even now today. 
Some of you have these people in your lives, at work, or in your family, and we're going to talk about it, because today we're launching a new series, and we're calling it You Asked For It. And this past Easter, what we did, if you were around, we took our connection cards, and we had a survey on those cards. And we asked you what you would like to hear about. What do you want to talk about? What's rolling around in your heart? What are the things that you want to discuss as a church family? And so we took all those things that you suggested that we talk about, and we're going to, for the next few weeks, we're going to discuss each one of those uh, topics. And today we're going to talk about dealing with difficult people. The, the overwhelming response, the number one response was purpose. It was purpose. Everybody, I mean, it was, it was not even close. The number one response was, who am I? What am I supposed to do with my life? What on earth am I here for? And so we're, gonna, we're actually going to do a series on that in the next several weeks. But today we're going to talk about uh, dealing with difficult people. And some of you are really excited about this. You're like, oh, good, because I really need this. Others of you just got really tense because the difficult person is sitting right beside you. <laughs> don't look at them. Don't look at them. Actually, it might be good. Turn to your neighbor and say, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. Okay. Now turn to your second choice and say, clearly, you were my second choice. And you really need to be here today. But have you ever had one of those people? You know, have you ever had one of those difficult people in your life? Have you ever experienced this? That person, it seems like it's their job. Like they were put on this earth to make you miserable. That person that just every day, in every way, they're just working at you. They're just there. They're hurting you. They're just saying mean things. They're embarrassing you. They're so challenging in the way they respond to life. Think about it. Have you ever had them? And if you can't think of somebody, well, you're in trouble because it's probably you. <laughs> but there's no anxiety like people anxiety, is there? Like everything can be going great in life. Things are good. You're sailing free. You're loving life. But then you have one problem with a coworker. Or you've got that, that one person in your dorm that just really gives you trouble. Or you've got that girl in second period that just wants to like make your life terrible. And something happens where it feels like it just completely sends your life off kilter. The truth is things overall in your life are not that bad and they didn't change much. But this one problem with this one person just makes everything seem like it's not gonna work. Max Lucado, the author, said it this way. Some people have been called to be missionaries of misery, sent into our world to wreak havoc. You ever had one? A missionary of misery. Problems, people problems are some of the worst kinds of problems that we experience, I think. There's an old Irish saying, and it goes, to dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know, now that's another story. Haven't you found that to be true? <laughs> Regardless of who that person is in your life, you are going to need God's help to deal with them. So here's what 2 Timothy has to say. Chapter 2, verses 23 through 26. It says, Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. I can just exegete that for you really quickly. That says, don't be on Facebook. <laughs> I have no problem with Facebook. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Are you listening? This is us. Must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. I think it's interesting because you can see in this verse, there's like, there's a strategy. <laughs> there's a strategy from the enemy to take people captive and to cause them to be difficult. That's what we're after today. So here's what I've learned over the years of my life. People are different. 
and different can be difficult. I mean, when people are different than me, it's difficult. It's hard. We don't exactly see eye to eye on things. When, when, when someone's different than me, it's difficult. It's hard for us sometimes to communicate. When people are different than me, it's difficult. I don't know why everyone can't just be like me so that then things could be really easy. Things would be so much better if that were the case. Maria and I, we're, we're different. You know, Maria, she's a planner. She likes lists and checklists and things like that. Um, I, I, uh, I like to wing it a little bit. Um, Maria, she wants to be quiet and think about things. And, and if we're having a difficulty, she likes to stop and, and think about it until she figures out what she really thinks and then talk about it. I just want to talk. I just want to talk about it. I want to talk about it the whole time. And then as I'm talking, I'm probably going to figure out what it is that I really think and what I want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. Maria, Maria, when we got married, she wanted to be outside with nature all the time. Like she just wanted to always be out in the trees and, and you've seen her and you've, you've seen what she looks like and how beautiful she is and her angelic voice and it's like Disney princess walking around in the forest outside. <laughs> but, but for me, I was like, I, I just want to be inside because that's where the movies are. <laughs> and it caused trouble for us. Or she likes her stuff to be really neat and organized. And even out in the basement and the boxes, everything just needed to be really perfect and organized. And if I ever touched it, I was in a lot of trouble. But she was organized, and I'm more of a free spirit when it comes to that kind of stuff. And all of this caused problems when we were married. It was difficult. We would fight. We would butt heads. What is it, though, that makes people difficult? I think it's important for us to figure it out, because once you figure it out, it's really half the battle. Once you figure out why people are difficult, you understand this. It helps you understand where the person that you're dealing with is coming from. It also can help you understand why sometimes you're being difficult. <laughs> oh, not me. I think first we have to remember that we live in a fallen world. This is a fallen and a sinful world, and it affects everybody. There are no perfect people. That may come as a shock to some of you. I was embarrassed for you who said that over there just a second ago. There are no perfect people. All of us can be difficult at times. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. None of us measure up. We're all on the same playing field. We like to say that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Like all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, all of us got issues. It's important for you to remember that. That's a lot of the reason why we deal with difficult people. Secondly, nothing is more important for the enemy to attack than your relationships. It's a place that he wants to get into. In fact, you'll find, and probably you'll find over the next several weeks, that as we're ramping up, as we're praying, as we're digging in, as we're launching into a new season of church, a new season of growth for our church, you're going to find that the spiritual activity is going to be a little more busy. And what happens is when that happens, a lot of times the first thing, the first area that you notice it is in your relationships because suddenly you're not able to communicate effectively and people around you are getting offended and they're mad at you and you're mad at them. That starts to bubble up. I want you to watch out for it and I want you to be kind to people. It's one of the indicators that spiritual activity is happening. But relationships are where the enemy wants to attack because relationships are where so much of our life flow from. Amen. Tons of our life comes out of our relationships. You were created to be relational. You realize this. Yeah. You were created for a relationship. Nobody was supposed to live life alone. Christianity is not meant to be, to be practiced as an isolated spiritual activity. You need the community. Amen. 
God himself is community in his nature. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons in one God. God himself is relationship. And he created you to have relationships. So out of your relationships flow all kinds of joy and life and strength and help. But also some of your greatest hurts and sorrows come through your relationships. So over the course of the years, I've found several difficult people, several different types that I've encountered. And if we're honest, we've all experienced some of these people. And if we're really honest, we'd realize that we are these people from time to time. Here's the first one. The first one is the hammer. The hammer. Like, he's just mean. Just everything all the time. He's aggressive, harsh, hostile. If there's ever a conflict, you're wrong and I'm right. And that's the end of story. There's nothing else to talk about. And what they do is they tend to handle life through, uh, in relationships, they handle them through intimidation. They'll try to intimidate you. They'll try to kind of beat you into submission. And they'll say this, oh man, I'm just real, man. I'm just kind of blunt, man. That's just my personality. That's who I am. Like, yeah, well, you're kind of a jerk and that's just kind of who you are. Like, it's not an excuse. You can still be nice to people. The hammer wants, wants to destroy you. There's another one, the, the megaphone. You may have experienced this person. The megaphone, they're, they're the person that just, they just love to talk. On and on and on and on and on and on and on about them. You don't really get a word in edgewise. And what they do is they keep talking. They just keep talking and talking and talking and talking until they finally talk you into submission. You might have experienced the Debbie Downer. With these people, uh, everything is always bad. Always. Just everything is bad. Nothing is ever good. Nothing can ever be good enough. And everything that you say, they just deflate it. It's just always negative. You could walk up to them and you could say, hey, man, I just, I just got a raise. And they'll be like, well, that's more taxes. <laughs> hey, man, uh, we just got a dog. We're so pumped. Like my little girls are so excited about this dog. I had one of those. He died yesterday. <laughs> Man, I'm just having such a great time with my kids. Like, I'm just loving life. They're so great. This is really the golden years for us, and we're having so much fun. Well, enjoy it, because pretty soon they're going to go off and leave you and hate you. You know who I'm talking about, because you've experienced them. The Debbie Downer. Some of you are the Debbie Downer. Um, you might have experienced the volcano. That's not personal. I don't know you for sure. I just am saying some of you are. You need to take stock. The volcano, they, they erupt in rage and anger like there's a lot going on under the surface here. And if you just barely uncork it somehow, boom, they just explode and spew lava of hatred and anger all over everybody. You might have met the space cadet. The space cadet, they're, they're wonderful, well-meaning people. They just live in their own world. They're just wandering around enjoying their own little world, only they don't know that they're actually living in their own little world. And you can talk to them about anything, but they don't know. <sighs> just enjoying life as a space cadet. You might have met the clam. They love to give you the silent treatment. When things go wrong, they'll just clam up. It's over. I'm, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? I'm fine. Yeah, but I, I want to talk, talk to you about it. I mean, what did I do? Can you just help me? No, it's good. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah, but I, I really, I want to help. Like, like I'm, I'm willing to talk. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for what I did. I do. Fine. You know? Some of you, husbands and wives, that's you. You need to stop it. The nitpicker. Continually critical about everything. Everything about you. Especially you. They excel at pointing out your flaws. Hey, you like my shirt? Yeah, it's nice. 
It's, it's, it's fine. I'm glad you finally got a nice shirt for once. It's, um, yeah, it's fine. It's good. It's good. It's fine. It's fine. It's good. It's good. Except for, you know, you know what I'm talking about. They nitpick everything that you do in your life. Or maybe the crybaby. The crybaby, they're, <laughs> they're chronic complainers, constantly whining about everything. And, and what they'll do is they will pout. They will pout to get control of a situation. Things didn't go their way, and so they'll just be like in the corner. Hey, do you want to come? No, I'm fine. I know you wanted to do this. No, it's good. We can do your thing. It's fine. The crybaby, the user, they just use you to get their own way. They're just master manipulators trying to manipulate and constantly trying to exert control over you. Or the garbage collector. The garbage collector is the one that just always rehearses the stuff of the past. Just always thinking about the past hurt and the past wounds. They constantly gather it all up and they carry it around with them. And it comes into every conversation, every relationship. And they just dump out the garbage. You've met all these people and you've been these people and I've been these people from time to time. So what happens is difficult people, this is important for us, they see life through distorted lenses. You know what I mean by lenses, right? Like if I, if I put on some sunglasses, suddenly the world around me becomes darkened. Right? It protects my eyes, yes, but everything becomes darker than it was. And when I look through my dark lenses, I see the world darker than it actually is. It's that idea where we get rose-colored glasses, because I put on some rose-tinted glasses, and everything looks pink and bright and beautiful. That's why we say that. And so a difficult person will have a different way of looking at the world. Uh, in fact, I, I've got a, a couple things to show you. Like I, I, Sometimes a difficult person will look through um, the lens of a magnifying glass, and so no matter what they, they do, no matter what you do, everything that you say to them will be, I'm going to fall over. Um, everything that you say to them will be distorted. It'll be magnified. It'll be blown out of proportion. There's a reason why they're this way. You might have somebody who, uh, who they see the world through the lenses of offense. And everything that happens to them, they see it through offenses of the past. And you could take off a layer and you get rid of this layer and this layer, but there's always another layer underneath. You rip it off and there's another thing. Hey, I'm sorry about that. No, it's fine. Okay, but you also did this. Layer after layer after layer because they see the world through the lenses of offense. Or they can see the world through me, myself, and I. Like things are great. I'm just happy because it's me. And everything is going good for me. And all I can see is me. And I don't care so much about you because I just see me. We all have lenses. I can't stay in those for any longer than that. We all have lenses that we see life through. And I think it's an important thing for us to think about today and to realize, because where, where do people get these lenses? This happens because we have experiences. We have life experiences, either good or bad, and it shapes us and it changes the way that we see the world. Yeah. I wrestle with having pessimistic lenses. I look through life, I look through my eyes at life through the lenses of pessimism. I have to fight against it. Because my parents got divorced when I was eight years old. And so the one thing that I thought was stable and true in my life, I lost it when I was eight. So they broke up, and so I learned a lesson. It's not really the right lesson, but I learned a lesson. And that lesson was, things that are good in your life will break and fall apart, and you won't have them anymore. That's what that experience taught me. And so I've grown up all my life having to push back against that. I've been called the rainy cloud guy because I would always think, I was a bit of a Debbie Downer myself, always thinking something's not gonna go right. This is awesome right now, but when is it gonna fall apart? That's how I viewed the world. 
Now, thankfully, God helps with all that. He's healed me quite a bit. I still fight through it sometimes, but I also married a literal ray of sunshine. And so, so it's very difficult for me to be so pessimistic when there's all this brightness coming at me. And God does those kinds of things and helps us in those ways. That's good. But you have lenses too. And you have them because something's happened to you and it's given you a lens and you don't even know exactly why or what. But all of us have lenses. One of my mentors used to say, there's always a reason. When someone's difficult, when someone is trying, when someone is causing you pain or trouble, when someone's going through something, he would say, there's always a reason why they're doing what they're doing. Because they've experienced something hard. They've experienced something difficult and it's made them difficult. I think this is important for us to stop and pay attention to in our lives. Because when you can stop and look and think about what may have happened to them to cause them to have those lenses and respond to me or respond to life that way. When you can do that, you start to have compassion for them. You start to have compassion for the way that they are. They're not just a jerk. They had some really bad stuff happen when they were a kid. And it's affected their life. So the next time you're sitting there in front of your coworker and he's a hammer and going crazy, you got to stop and go, huh, I wonder what happened. I wonder what happened to make him that way. And allow the Holy Spirit to minister life to you. And maybe even, and this is how great the Holy Spirit is and why he wants to partner with you in the earth, because he could even help you know what it was. And you can call that out and say, hey, I just want to ask you something. Did you ever, you know, don't be weird about it. Well, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me now. <laughs> oh, God! And don't, don't do that. And you sense the Holy Spirit moving. You say, can I ask you a question, man? I just, if, if, this is, if this is nothing, then, then fine. Forgive me. I'm sorry. But I just want to ask you a question. Did you ever? The Holy Spirit can come into that situation and help that person, individual. All these people and others like them, they exist all over in our lives. The question is, what are you going to do with them? Because you do have a choice. In all these matters, in all these circumstances, you have a choice. You can't determine whether or not you're going to experience difficult people, but you can determine what you're going to do when you encounter them. So what are the choices? I think you have three primary choices. One, you can curse it. You can curse the relationship. You can just give it back. Whatever they're giving you, you can just give it back and give it back more. You can curse the thing. You can live angry. You can stoop down into their level and give it back. I don't recommend that. You could also nurse it. You can just kind of rehearse it over and over and over again. You can take that hurt and that difficulty and that relationship and you can just carry it around with you and nurse that nasty little baby. Or you could choose to reverse it. In other words, you could do what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. In the message version, he says, here's another old saying that deserves a second look. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Is that gonna get us anywhere? Here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you into court and sues for the shirt off your back, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit for tat stuff, live generously. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend. And it's unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. <laughs> when someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives the best 
the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good and bad, the nice and nasty. So important. Look at this biblical response for dealing with difficult people. So important because, it, because relationships are so important. Relationships are so difficult and they can be so fragile. Relationships that can cause deep wounds, but they can bring us great joy. And some of you are in relationships right now that are totally volca- volcanic. Some of you are in a relationship where someone is abusing or manipulating or trying to control you. And if you're going to navigate that thing, you are going to need God's help. So for the little bit of time we have left, I just want to get really practical and talk about what does the Bible say about having to deal with difficult people? You ready? Thank you, guys. All right, here's what I have to say. Number one, just realize that you cannot please everyone. It's hard for some of you because you're people pleasers. You got some insecurities and you got some things rolling around and you want people to like you. If they don't like you, it sends everything off. And so you'll do anything that you can to try to please them and help them. And you already know, every one of us in the room, we already know you just can't please everybody. Everybody deep down understands it. Jesus said in John 5.30, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. And my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. The goal here for all of us is not to try to please everybody, not to be men pleasers or women pleasers, but to be God pleasers, to live life that is solely concerned about pleasing God. We'll do our best to take care of the people that we can, but we're going to please God no matter what. Everybody else is going to have to sort it out. Jesus decided that he was going to be a God pleaser and not a man pleaser. And this is what will happen. Being a man pleaser is going to make your life really, really, really hard. But being a God pleaser is going to simplify your life incredibly. Just settle it. I can't please everybody, and so I'm not going to try. This rings so true for me as a pastor. Like as a youth pastor growing up and having parents come to me and say, hey, I want you to do this, or hey, the youth group needs to do this, or hey, why aren't you doing this, or how come you're not taking this trip, or why did you? All these questions... And if I listened to what every parent wanted me to do, the thing would have been a disaster. I can't do everything that every family wants. It's the same here. When people come and say, hey, why don't we do this? Why aren't we doing this? What are we doing? Why, how come we don't have this? What? I get all of that. And so, but it's my job to listen, to take all of your input and feedback because that's important to me and I want to hear it. But then I have to retreat into my prayer closet and I have to pray about it and say, God, who do you want us to be and what do you want us to do? Amen. And I have to follow that. Amen. It means that we won't do everything. We're going to do the things that I'm hearing. And thankfully, it's not just me. We've got a lead team. We've got a staff here. We've got other people involved in those decisions. So we're going to do it because we're going to please God. Number two, rise above it. Rise, oh, sorry, sorry. Number two is refuse to play the game. And number three is rise above it. Well, there you go. Um, you, you blank writers. Refuse to play the game. John 2, 24, Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. <laughs> it's a weird word, verse just talking about how Jesus knows what's inside of all of us. He understands everything that goes on here. And even with all of it, he loves us. But he never got caught up in the game. He never got caught up in he said or she said. He never got caught up in gossip. He never bickered back and forth with people. The one area where you know this happens so often in our culture today is on the internet and social media. And it's crazy. And somebody says one thing and we just think, oh, I got to respond to that. I got to be all up in this. And you get in this argument with these people because surely everybody needs to know what I personally think about that issue. So important. I'm just saying, you you don't have to say everything that you think all the time. And I'm sure you have some good things to say, but you don't always have to tell everybody what it is. Now, you got to stand up for truth. 
You gotta stand up for truth. You gotta stand up for people. You gotta stand up for people that are being um, bullied. You gotta do all of those things, but you do it in love and in care. See, here's the thing, everybody. We don't operate under the systems of this world. We don't live the way that the world does. We live in another kingdom, the kingdom of God. It has different rules. It has a different set of ideals. It has a different set of laws, and we live under those. So just decide, I'm not gonna play the games. I'm not gonna play people's games. I'm just gonna opt out. I'm gonna opt out. Number three, rise above it. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's simple. Don't just refuse to play the game. Rise above the game. Get above all of it. Don't live down in it. Get above it. How do we do that? It's pretty simple, really. We just wait on God. We just seek him. We just pursue him. We just listen to what he's saying. If we would spend our time, and this is not a Jesus juke or a, some of you are like, what? If this is, this is not like, I'm not trying to, to trick you or, or say anything condescending to you, but I just think if we would wake up in the morning and rather than grabbing the phone and scrolling through Instagram and Facebook, lying there in bed, <laughs> getting close to home for some people, <laughs> me included, if instead of doing that, we would just put that away or just take it, and instead of opening that app, just open the Bible app and just spend a few minutes just waiting, waiting, waiting. We could rise above all the stuff. But instead, we open it up to hear the latest political thing. That's the way we start our morning. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's plenty of political things to be concerned about. So instead of doing that, just rise above it. Wait on God. Get above the nitpicking. Get above the criticism. Get above the sarcasm. Get above the jealousy and gossip and hateful speech. Get above all of it. I've heard it said, you can't soar like an eagle if you're hanging around with the turkeys. So don't. Wait on God. Mount up with wings like eagles and soar because he can help you. Got to go faster. Never retaliate is number four. First Peter 3, 9. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. That sounds awesome, but that's really hard to live out. That's incredibly challenging. Not only are we not to retaliate with insults. Like, I would have loved it if he just would have stopped right there. But we're going to go further and pay back with blessing. I'm not always good at that. I want to pay him back. I want to pay him back with a punch in the neck. Like, that's what I want to do. It's so hard. Our flesh wants to retaliate to get them back. If Maria says something nasty and mean to me, I just, it happens immediately. Ugh, I want to say something mean and nasty back. Now, she's never said anything mean and nasty in 17 years of marriage. But, but if it were to happen, that would be my response. And I'm good at it. We want to self-protect. We want to guard ourselves. We want to, we want to hit back when somebody hits us. But if anybody ever had the right to retaliate, it was Jesus they beat him and they spit on him and they mocked him and they did all those things and he never once retaliated. He loved them. I would, I would train youth pastors all through the years. I've always told them when they're dealing with difficult students, never retaliate, just respond. You don't have to retaliate and come back blow for blow, but respond. Respond out of love, respond out of concern, respond out of care. I got a great story about a girl that was really mean to me, but for another time. Number five, release them. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. The truth is some people you can't fix, you just can't. It's not gonna happen. And so what you have to do is you just have to turn them over. You turn them over and give them to God. And the best way that you can do that is to pray for them. Just pray for them, for their benefit, not for their death. 
God, thank you for Bill. I just pray that you would end him. That's not a good, that's not a good prayer. It's not good. Bless you. That's not good. None of that's, none of that's good. Pray for them. What happens when you pray for somebody is that you start to see them differently. God's heart for them comes on you because he loves them in their state. Because you know what? He loved you in your state. Pray for them. It's really difficult to be angry and hateful towards somebody who you're praying for consistently. Pray for them. Release them to God's hands, which is doing the final thing today, and that is that helps us live redemptively. The life that we're called to live. You guys, come on up. You live redemptively. This is the life that you're called to. This is what the Spirit wants to do with you, to partner with you in bringing the kingdom of God to bear in the earth. More of his kingdom, more more reconciliation, more redemption, more relationships being fixed, more hurts being healed. We are called by God to live these kinds of lives. And the only way that we can do this is by first experiencing God's forgiveness for ourselves. Here's the thing. If you close your, close your eyes, please, we're gonna, we're gonna close and come to the Lord's table here, but here's the thing. You're never gonna have to forgive anyone more than God has already forgiven all of us. So I wanna ask you as an individual and as a member of One Chapel, the One Chapel Kyle family, I wanna ask you to not close your arms to other people. Because God has extended his arms to you and to me. God's arms are open to you here, now, in this moment. Would you use that as the impetus to keep your arms open to others? And decide, I'm going to have difficult people in my life, but I'm going to live a life of redemption towards all of them, living for their good never retaliating. When they curse me, I'm gonna bless them. When they want my shirt, I'm gonna gift wrap my coat. I'm gonna live the life that Jesus called me to live. And what happens when you do that is the gospel comes alive. People's lives are changed. People's lives are transformed because they see you as the hands and feet of Jesus, the spirit of God working through you. See, I think as we go into our workplaces and our schools and all in our families and this, this dark world that we live in today, I, I don't think we're going to be able to go with a good, convincing argument. But if you step in with being the hands and feet of Jesus, treating him, treating them like he would treat them, treating them like he treated you, then they get to actually see him in you. And transformation starts to happen. It's beautiful. So with your eyes closed, I just want you to think about something. Maybe today you need to experience the arms of Jesus. Maybe when I say that to you, it doesn't make sense. The arms of God are open wide to you, but you don't get it because you feel like they're shut. Listen, I believe that he sent me here today to tell you his arms are not folded. They're not crossed in anger, but they're open for you. Open wide, ready to receive you. And you just need to say yes. You need to say yes to him and, and yes to, to who he's called you to be. Yes to giving him your life. Yes to serving him. Yes to allowing him to forgive you of all of the sins that he already paid for when he died on the cross. 
yes to living a new life in him. Some of you need that today. Maybe today you realized, oh shoot, I'm the difficult person. I'm the hammer. I'm the nitpicker. I'm the one. Maybe today you need the work of Jesus to come and fill you and flood you. And it's because you've experienced some difficult things. And today he wants to bring healing to your heart over those things and take off the lenses that you have and replace them with his. Or maybe you have a difficult person and you need to forgive them and release them. You've been fighting and it's been difficult and it's been a trial and it's been a challenge, but today you need to let them go. You can do that right here, right now. You can't do it on your own, but I think the Spirit of God is here to help you bring forgiveness and healing. So with everybody's eyes closed, if either of those three things, you need to come into the open arms of Jesus, you need help because you're the difficult one, or you have somebody that's difficult and you need to release them today and learn to deal with them, would you just, just lift your hand up real quick? Nobody's looking around. Just any of those three things. Just respond. This isn't for me. This is you and him. This is your response to him. Oh, that's good. Yeah, everywhere. Who else? Ah, sweet. Who else? That's really good. Who else? Hey, don't be nervous. I'm not going to make you do anything. I'm not going to bring you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. Anybody else? That's good. I pray this prayer with me, everybody, and then we're going to come to the Lord's table. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would work now in this room. Father, for those who are distant from you, we pray that you would draw them and call them now by your kindness, lead them to repentance. And so God, all over this room, for those of us that are in that category, we just say, forgive me. I've been living my own life and I don't want to anymore. I've thought that you had your arms closed to me, but I want to choose to believe today that your arms are open and that you love me. And I want to experience the healing and the forgiveness and the life that this guy is talking about. So God, forgive me of my sins. Everyone, you paid for them all on the cross. If that's true, then take mine. I give them to you. Would you forgive me? And would you come and live in my heart and help me to serve you and live the life that you planned for me to live? Father, for those of us today that, that uh, are the difficult person, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would bring healing to every heart and every life, every broken body, every broken heart, every chained up life, that you would bring freedom to them by your presence and by your spirit. Let forgiveness flow and let healing come into our lives today. Take care and deal with the trauma that has occurred. Wash over it, cover it, heal it. And for those of us who are dealing with difficult people, we just give them to you. We release them today. We say we aren't going to take matters into our own hands. Would you take them and do what you will? Lord, we love you. We give them over to you. And we pray for them that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that you would heal them, that you would give us a heart for them, and that you would be near to them, God. Help them to find their way through the mess that they found themselves in. And help me to be part of that solution in Jesus' name. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. It's in your name we pray.